Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, Do you like pork scratchings, crisps and popcorn? Today, I have a conversation with somebody who makes them for a living. Tom Locke, entrepreneur and founder of the British Snack Company. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved today. I have the great pleasure of chatting with Tom Locke, founder of the British Snack Company. How are you, Tom? I'm good, thanks, Lee. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you very much. Really good. And really, I'm really looking forward to, to this opportunity to, to chat with you. So for those people that don't know who you are, who is Tom Locke and how has he got to sit in this seat today? So uh, Tom Locke is the founder of a company called AP Brands. Um, we trade under the name The British Snack Co. Uh, and I started my business by uh, making pork scratchings in my mum's kitchen and selling them from the boot of my car to local pubs in Tunbridge and Tunbridge Wells, which is where I grew up. And uh, that's where we started. Uh, We've come a long way since then. And we now supply national supermarkets, pub groups, and export around the world. Wow, that's that's well exciting. So why pork scratchings? Good question. Uh, Very good question. Uh, One one that I get asked a lot. So um, basically, you know, back back when I launched Awfully Posh, which is our brand of uh, pork, pork crackling, there were no real premium pork snacks around. They were all sort of in clear bags, you know, with lots of additives, MSG, and no one had really done to pork snacks what what kettle chips or Tyrrell's crisps did to, um, you know, the potato crisp. Uh, so we were the first premium pork snack on the market, and we sort of, you know, tried to reinvent the pork scratching, basically. That's well exciting. Well exciting. So... From the boot of your car to the success that you've got today, that must have been quite a quite a journey and not not a straight line journey. What's what's, <laughs> De- what's the secret definitely. of your success? Perseverance, I'd say. Uh, yeah, because it, def- it definitely uh, definitely hasn't been a straight line. It's been uh, been a very rocky road. Um, you know, the food and drink industry is an exciting one, and it's a fun one to work in, but it's also a really tough one. So um, yeah, there's been lots of challenges along the way. Uh, but, um, you know, at, at several times, especially in the early days, you know, I thought, you know, why am I doing this? You know, yeah. I should just get a nine to five. It'd be much easier. But, um, you know, I persevered and, you know, we're starting to see the, the fruits of our labor now. So um, that's good. Yeah. Why did you persevere? What is it? What is it? that kept you going. And the reason why I say that is what I see a lot of people doing is where, no matter what it is, it might be a diet, might be, um, might be a hobby, might be a business, they'll start, um, but they'll not necessarily continue it through. So what is it that, that, that kept you going? Uh, I'd say fear of failure and uh, fear of letting people down and being a disappointment. Um, Sorry, I lost my got there. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think you know, you know, the longer you the longer you get in it, the harder it is to sort of uh, walk away from it because um, you know you've invested so much time and, and effort into it. Um, not that I'd suggest uh, um, you know persevering with something that, that had shown to be broken, but you know, um, I I think you know fear of failure and, and also an you know an unwavering belief in in the quality of our product and uh, and the and the and the 
you know there was demand out there for it we just had to reach the right customers yeah when you, so when you say fear of letting people down is that fear is that letting yourself down or letting those that have been with you down what is because that that came across when you when you said that that came across quite quite strongly like there the um and, and you were really quick to say fear of failure and fear of letting other mm. people down so what yeah i mean i think you know on a, on a personal level um so I, I dropped out of university. Uh, I, was, I was at university, I was, I was studying law, actually, at the London School of Economics. And uh, I dropped out and, you know, I guess from that point on, the pressure, the pressure was on me to prove that I'd made the right decision by dropping out because uh, otherwise I could have been, you know, who knows, maybe I'd be a partner at a law firm by now. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think, you know, fear of, fear of letting my family down, my parents down and, you know, anyone that I was working with. Yeah, yeah. Law to pork scratchings is a... Is a thing. So, I guess yeah. yeah. Let's just take it. So, how did you identify that gap in the market, and and what is it that that made you convinced to go from um, law, dropping out of university at that point in time, which which is a, a traditional route to go into, and successful for those that are successful, to then selling stuff into pubs from the back of your from the boot of your car. With the fear mm. of not wanting to let family down, friends down, and convince everybody you'd made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, firstly, I, I massively underestimated just how dull law is, um, <laughs> and and the thought the thought of uh, spending three years doing that was uh, was much more uh, daunting than uh, selling uh, selling poor scratching to the boot of my car to pubs because uh, you know selling to pubs is actually quite fun. So. Um, but in, ter in terms of how I identified it, I, it sort of sounds sort of a massive cliche, but um, we, I was just in a pub uh, and I, I used to eat corpse scratchings. Um, I still do, but much less now because I'm sort of getting a bit sick of them. Um, <laughs> so I was sitting in a pub and, you know, just, you know, it's just, you know, you have a few drinks and the idea comes to you. And, you know, as I said, it's a cliche because everyone sort of says, oh, and the next morning I woke up and decided to do it. Um, it wasn't exactly the next morning, but I, I think, you know, it was pork scratchings uh, was the last bastion of of the snacking uh, category that hadn't been premiumized at the time. I mean, it certainly has now. There's, there's you know lots of ours in, in you know who would call themselves premium, but back then I think I think everyone out there took 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 pride in in not being premium. So I don't think anyone would 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 have gone out of their way to call themselves premium. So um, you know, and and a lot of people said to me, you know, can can pork scratching be premiumized? You know, aren't they just a grubby pub snack? But you know, most pork scratchings these days are sold in supermarkets rather than pubs. Yeah, yeah. How did you scale what you do? So how did you, how did you go from the boot to the supermarkets and and keep persevering and going? Well, obviously, I very quickly realised that uh, I couldn't keep cooking them in my mum's kitchen, uh, and it probably would have, you know, EHO probably would have been knocking on the door if I'd carried on doing that. So, um, so you know. Um, I partnered with a with a manufacturer, a major manufacturer. There there aren't many major pork snack manufacturers in the UK, but I partnered with one of them. Um, and from there, you know, um, I had the I had the um, you know the you know the scale you know to increase increase uh, production you know not limitlessly, but you know for my purposes, you know there was there was no real limit to to the amount that they could produce for me. Um, so um, that allowed me to start approaching. 
retailers like Waitrose and, and Ocado and and uh, moving out of the pub game. I mean, we still spy lots of pubs, but, um, you know, the bulk of our business is now in retail. Wow. How, how do you manage to sell into those big supermarkets? So is, is, there, a, is there a way to do it? Because no, no matter what career choice people take, um, the, there's an element of selling yourself and selling what it is you do. So I can imagine um, that selling to pubs is might be different to selling to large supermarket chains, or is it the same process? And is that something that you learnt? Um, obviously, there are differences, but ultimately, it's, it's 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 the same principle, which is you know knocking down doors um, and trying to convince people that they should buy. So you know it's it's the same principle, except that. You know, when, when I was selling to pubs, I was literally just walking into the pub and trying to sell to them. But when you're, when you're selling um, to a supermarket, you know, you have to do things via email. And, you know, but, you know, you know, it's the same principle, which is, you know, keep, keep knocking on the door until they say yes. You know, don't be scared to, don't be scared to um, you know, to pester them. Yeah. Is that, all, is that something you've always been comfortable with? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know. I mean, I mean, maybe not super comfortable in the, in the early days, but you sort of have to, you have to, you have to be comfortable with it, you know, or even if you're not comfortable with it, you, you know, you have to get comfortable with it quite quickly because, you know, um, you're going to get lots of no's and lots of rejection and you have to, you, you know, have to be able to pick yourself up from that. And, um, you know, you have to, you, ha- you can't be ashamed of, you know, trying to get in front of people and, you know, get, you know, gr- try and command people's attention. You, you know, you have to, you have to be willing to, to force yourself into, into their um, into their thinking. Yeah, and how do you do, is that is that pure is that purely being via email and finding the right people, or is there is there another strategy that you've taken to it? Um, yeah, no, I mean in our case it has just been you know it has just been you know you, you find out who the buyer is at the supermarket and you and you, you know you you know they're, they're renowned for ignoring people so uh, you just have to keep pestering them until until they eventually until they eventually reply um so um you know that i mean i mean that that's the primary strategy you know with you know if you don't know if you don't know someone at a supermarket you just sort of try and hustle find out who, who you need to speak to and, and pest them. yeah so two things have come across for me so far since since talking to you in this short period of time is is perseverance has, has, has been key um mm. to, to your journey and success and also people have been key um, to your to your journey and success, whether it is those people at home and family, uh, and not wanting to let them down, or identifying those right people to 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 keep persevering with and to to help you you be a success. What's the biggest challenge? In fact, would that would that be a fair assessment so far? Perseverance and people. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And what's the biggest challenge that you've had? I think it's. I mean, it's it's quite an old challenge that I've since overcome. But you know, the biggest challenge that I have was. Was being scared to uh, to um, or unwilling to delegate, you know. For 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 so long, I was doing it completely alone, just me, uh, which is quite unusual these days. I mean, usually when you know most food and drink companies uh, that that I see these days, they're started by a couple of people, you know, maybe two or three. And it's quite a lonely place, you know. Um, you know, being a, a sole founder. Um, but even though it was lonely, you know, I sort of resisted the the, the prospect of bringing bringing people in uh, for way too long, much longer than I should have done. Um, and um, you know, overcoming that that you know that mind block of of the mindset that actually I don't need anyone else, I can do it, and you know, I don't want to give away control because you know they might fuck it up. 
So, um, yeah, um, I'd say that was one of the biggest challenges in the early days. How did you overcome that? How did you relinquish that, that control and trust other people? Well, ultimately, I mean, I'd love to say that I, you know, I, um, I thought about it and concluded it was the right thing to do. But ultimately, you know, it got forced upon me in the end because, I, you know, I just reached the, the limit of my, my um, you know, of, of what I could do without help. You know, I was trying to do too much and, and obviously, you know, the business suffered because of that. So eventually it was just forced upon me. I thought, look, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just going to burn out if I carry on doing this. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you've managed to keep a full head of her, haven't you? That's a, what, what's your secret? I, yeah, I do I have, have. I, I have her envy, if I'm honest, talking to you. <laughs> it is starting to go a bit of the sides, I think. Um, but um, yeah, so far it's okay. How would you so so? Just give us a, give us an idea of the the size and scale of your organisation and business at the minute. So we have three brands now: um, Awfully Posh, which is our uh, our pork crackling. That was that was where things started. Uh, and then we have uh, the British Crisp Company, which, as the name suggests, is a brand of crisps. Um, and the British Popcorn Company. And the, the last two, are, they're exclusive to the out-of-home channel, so we don't supply those to supermarkets. We, you know, we only supply them to pubs, cafes, coffee shops, food service outlets, things like that. Um, so, um, you know, last year we turned over like uh, 1.6 million. And this year we were on course to do like 2.2. We would have done probably had uh, but COVID have had other ideas and and obviously because you know so much of our business is relying on you know we've got we've got a well diversified customer base so we have a lot of uh, retail business which obviously did well during COVID um, during lockdown but um, you know pub shutting was was hard on us and we lost a lot of business so um, you know it's unlikely we'll hit very unlikely really that we'll hit that target but you know we should still hopefully finish up on last year um, in terms of team. We've got a very small team, so we've got uh, four of us, um, you know, me and three sales guys, and then and then we outsource all of our production to our manufacturing partners, um, and then we outsource our back office to uh, to our back office partner. So um, although our, our core team is small, you know, there's you know hundreds of people that work on our work on our products and our brand. You know, if you include the people making it and you know the people doing the admin and things like that. Yeah. So for so, for somebody that had a challenge with control at the at the start, mm. to then to then outsource two of the fundamental parts of your business to other organisations. So you've got you. I guess it, the control is is further removed than if you employed these people. How 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 have you dealt with that? You know, we have lot. We do lose an element of control by outsourcing. You know, you're right. That's that's a valid point. Definitely. Um, you know, we, we are not on site at the factory every day as we would be at our own factory. So, um, you know, I guess, you know, what we do to counteract that is we, you know, we pick our partners very carefully and, you know, vet them and make sure that they've got, you know, the right accreditations and, you know, um, uh, you know, make sure that it's a right fit and that they can handle increases in volume as we grow. Um, so, you know, and, you know, ultimately, but the, you know, the overarching point is, you know, I've got a lot better at trusting people. You know, to 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 do to do the right thing um, as, as time's going on, because you have to. You know, as as any organisation grows, you know, you have to you have to delegate and, and hire more people, and you know, you know, you, all, all you can do is make sure you're hiring the right people and, and outsourcing to the right people. And so we try and do that as best we can. Yeah, completely, completely. So, how would you describe your leadership style? Um, that's a good question. I'm not, I haven't really ever given that much thought, to be honest. Um, how do you think others would describe your leadership style then? I'd say not overly firm, definitely, um, you know, friendly, um, but, 
you know, I, I can be quite autocratic in, in, cert in certain certain respects because, you know, when it comes to MPD and um, and product and suppliers, you know, I, you know, I'm a strong believer in, you know, you know, tearing that process and, and having one person leading that, you know, and, and, and not, you know, not letting to, you know, not forming a committee to, to, to create new products because, you know, I think that that harms the MPD process. Um, and I know that, that, you know, that's possibly unorthodox, you know, I know, you know, big companies, they have teams of people working on MPD, but I like, I like to control, control the process that leads, you know, and, and the branding process as well. I like, I like to, control that and you know i'll obviously ask for input but ultimately you know on, on that i do i do believe that you know i i i have to have the final call yeah yeah so if we just so you started pork scratchings then it was crisps and then popcorn is that is that the journey uh, yeah how did you decide that, that the time was right to move into another market to move into the crisps and then the time was right to move into the popcorn and so what are the trigger points that that made you then go let's diversify and well, um, ultimately, the, the pork snack market is, uh, you know, it's considerable, but still very small. Um, and the crisp market is obviously huge. So um, I had always wanted to go into crisp, but, uh, you know, sort of going, launching a pork scratching brand is, is uh, you know, it's sort of uh, because there were no premium ones, we sort of had a, had a much stronger USP than we would have done had we just launched a crisp brand because there are loads of crisp brands. So, you know, you know, launching a pork snack brand sort of allowed us to to creep in into the market through the back door, really, and then establish ourselves, and then then launch Chris and, and leverage our, our contacts that we and our customer base that we've that we've grown through the pork snacks uh, into Chris, which is a much bigger market. Then, in terms of the popcorn, um, I mean, you know, popcorn's been an incredible growth over the past couple of years. It's slowed down a little bit recently, but um, you know, it's still it still represents a significant chunk of the snack market and. Um, you know, our crisps and popcorn are sort of sister brands. So, you know, they work quite closely together in the sense that, you know, a lot of customers will want someone who can offer them both crisp and popcorn. And so, um, you know, I think if we didn't, if we didn't have popcorn, our crisp brand would be harmed. So, uh, we, we, we like to offer both. Got you. Got you. What's next? Uh, the line, did you say what's up next? Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, I, I'm pretty comfortable with our with our brand portfolio at the moment. Uh, you know, we have our hands full with three brands, so I think we're going to focus on on. You know, we've got a quite a clear dual dual channel strategy, which is that our crisp and popcorn are exclusive to the out of home channel, and our Wolfie Posh brand is focused more on retail and beyond trade. Um, so we're going to keep we're going to focus on 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 that strategy, embedding in that strategy. This is a quite a new strategy for us, but we we will be expanding. Those brands. So, for example, we're about to launch a new flavour of crisp, which is a roast beef flavour. And all of our crisp and popcorn, by the way, are completely vegan and allergen-free. And so, this beef flavour um, is, is, you know, it's a vegan beef flavour, uh, which is quite exciting. And then with the Orphy Posh brand, we're we're launching, uh, which will be our first product outside of, um, well, it's still pork actually, but outside of traditional pork scratchings and crackling. It's it's like a dried uh, cured pork loin, which comes from Spain. And that's quite exciting too. So, you know, they, they will still be MPD, but it will focus, you know, it'll be focused under the existing brands that we've got. What? So why why have you gone um, pork-based on one side and then vegan-based on the other? Um, well, you know, because 
vegan veganism is growing so strongly obviously um and um you know the th- the reason we went vegan um and allergen free with our crisps and popcorn is because there is re- really no need for them not to be vegan or allergen free you know the only reason most crisps are not vegan and allergen free is because you know manufacturers put stuff in that that makes them not vegan and not allergen free but you know that is potato at the end of the day fried yeah. potato so it should be vegan and it should be allergen free you know people should just stop adding allergens to things and stop adding nasty stuff to things that, you know, that harms the product uh, and its credentials. And obviously, you know, the pork side, you know, we, you know, it's a very distinct, very clear, distinct brand that, you know, Awfully Posh is, is our, is our meat snacks brand. So, um, you know, um, we, we can, you know, we have the flexibility to, to go into various different product categories um, and we can make a decision on which brand best suits um, that product. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of your branding and awfully posh and, and British and, and when you look at the packets of, of your uh, of your of your food offerings, it's it, it comes across as authentically British um, mm. and really strong. What what was the th- what was the thinking behind that? Um, well, I guess being true to the product, you know, all of our potatoes are, are grown, grown in Britain. Um, and it's about celebrating, celebrating, you know, British produce, I guess. So um um, you know, each, 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 each of our flavors, um, you know, celebrates a different aspect of, uh, Britain. So we have like, you know, a pack that's inspired by British coastlines, uh, British seaside resorts, by British cities, by British countryside. So it's all about celebrating Britain really. Um, do you have, any, do you have and, anything Lanc- Lancashire based? Um, no. Would you like us to do one? Yeah, I would. I would actually. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that, that would, that would be good. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what it would be. Maybe black pudding flavored something or, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I might message you some, some ideas. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Do that. So, okay. uh, no, I like that. I like that. So you've got co- you've got different parts of Britain being represented by your um, by by your your products, and your product is is very British in itself. Is that something that's important to you? Yeah, definitely. You know, crisps are a very British thing. Um, although there's some debate on who first invented the crisp, whether it was an American thing and or a British thing. And I think it was concluded that it was it was a British thing. So, um, but yeah, obviously, you know, I'm very proud to be British and you know happy to uh, be able to celebrate. Um, Britain on on our packaging um, in such a nice way. Has anybody else in your family um, done anything similar to what to what you're doing? Because or, and, I, I get the point of you you were in the pub and you're having a few drinks and then you you coined this idea around the, the pork scratchings and stuff. But is is it are you following a family tradition or is it just something that you've you um, you set up and you've gone right? I'm I'm going to go all in on 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 pork scratchings. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely not following a family tradition. Um, I, think, I think my grandfather was sort of an entrepreneur, um, but um, that's that's not why I did it. Um, I just, I, you know, I just guess it's, it's I, you know, I, I just always felt it was in me, you know, that that I wanted to start a business, and you know, I, I, I guess you know when you know when I was um, going to university, I was following a path that that I had been told was the right thing to do. And not that I necessarily thought was the right thing to do. And, you know, eventually, I decided that I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and not what society, or school, or parents, or whatever tells me. You know, the right thing to do because you know you get you get told that you've got to go to university and then you know get a job and you know and that's fine, people. But you know, I never felt that it was right for me. Um, so um, as hard as it is, and you know, as um, stressful as it can be, you know, uh, I do love running my own business. 
Yeah, yeah. What would you say the secrets are to running your own business? I would say, you know, you've got to hire good people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got to hire good people. Um, and um, and uh, I mean, the other thing that I would say in this mistake that I made is, you know, it's okay to make slow progress. You know, everyone talks about like hockey stick growth, and you know, you've got to, you've got to, um, you know, you've got to you know, double your turnover every year, um, which you know. You can do that's great but you know slow and steady progress is, is is still good yeah yeah so right people and so the right people and the right level of progress for you as a as a business um yeah you know, i like i like patient. that you've got to be patient yeah um i remember i remember thinking uh when we got our first retail listing in waitress like you know, i'm rich now right you know i'm just buying waitress but you know, it's not the case. So, um, you know, you've got to be patient and you've got to be in it for the long haul and, and don't expect, uh, don't expect um, immediate success because, you know, um, I can only really speak through the drink industry, but it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so far we've, we've spoke about um, perse- everything that begins with P actually, um, perseverance, people, patience, progress that's right for you. And, and for you, it all start. It, it's potatoes. As yeah, well, another, the, another the five P's. I'm gonna, I'm yes. gonna trademark that. Yeah, yeah, you can have that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant. So, if if somebody has an idea, so being being an entrepreneur, um, I've I've spoken to a few different entrepreneurs, and not everybody has had success with their first company. Is this your first company? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I mean, I, I dabbled with various different ideas, um, uh, trying to launch various food products, um, but you know, net, you know, that never really got off the ground. Um, this is, um, this is the first company that, that I've, um, that I've had that, you know, ever really started trading. Got you. And how did, how did you know, make the difference between what's the difference between one that started trading and all of those ideas that you didn't, um, I guess, uh, I guess, um, you know, I had, I had, a, you know, I had loads of ideas for, um, for products that, that I could do. And, and I guess I started exploring them and, and eventually I'd meet a dead end. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, through no fault of my own, but I'd meet a dead end, you know, I couldn't find a manufacturer or, you know, I realized that something was already really similar out there that I hadn't noticed before. And I guess with the pork patchings, you know, doors just kept opening. And so I just kept walking through them. Uh, until you know, I was I was sure that actually this was um, this was the right thing, uh, the, the the right product. Yeah. Do you still have ideas? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I've I've been guilty in the past of trying to launch new things before you know the things that I previously launched are what uh, established enough. Um, and you know. I, I guess a lot of entrepreneurs are guilty of that. You know, they launch something and they're just constantly thinking about the next thing. Um, because, you know, personally, I, that's what I enjoy is like, you know, the MPD process and branding. So once something's, you know, developed and branded, um, you know, previously, you know, it'd be like, right, okay, well, I'm not interested anymore in that. So I'm going to go and develop something else and brand something else. Um, and that, you know, you know, obviously MPD is a good, is a good process and, um, but um, you know, I've definitely been. That's a mistake that I've made in the past. Is is not focusing on the core and what's working. You know, because if something's working, then you know, then you know, roll with that and keep driving it. Um, so um, you know, like last year, 
uh, a couple of years ago, we launched a new product uh, called Creator Crisp, which um, was like, you know, where you season your own crisps. And, yeah. um, you know, you know, when, when you, when you do that, you know, you just, you just lose the focus on the other stuff. So, um, you know, late last year when we made, when we sort of developed our new, our new, stra- our new sort of 12, 24 month strategy, channel strategy, you know, you know, part of that was also right. Let's focus on what we're doing and what's working and, and really drive that, uh, and keep driving it. And then when that's, you know, well established and we've bedded that in, then we can look at what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. If you could talk to yourself 15 years ago, what would you say? I would have been 15. So, um, I don't know. I think I was doing right when I was 15. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, good question. Not sure. What would I say to 15 year old me? Um, I think I had quite a dodgy haircut back then. So maybe, <laughs> maybe change the haircut. I think, you know, possibly what I'd say is, uh, you know, believe, believe in yourself a bit more and don't, and, you know, question things a bit more. And uh, just because someone says, uh, this is the right thing to do. Maybe it's not right for you uh, because I've sort of pushed down a path, not by anyone in particular, but pushed down a path around that age that just because everyone else was doing it and it was, you know, the perceived wisdom that that was the thing that you do. Yeah. And uh, I wasted a lot of money um, and time going to university and I had a lot of degree. So I wish I hadn't even bothered, um, but it took me a while to, uh, to get the resolve to sort of, carve my own path and do things my way yeah no perfect perfect no thank you for that thank you for that if people wanted to find out more about you and the journey that you've been on and maybe the products that you've got and what's next where's the best place to find um about you uh you can they can uh find me on linkedin uh tom lock t-o-m-l-o-c-k uh or our website which is www.britishsnackco.com perfect Perfect. And then, so what does a founder of British Snack Co. offer his tea or, di- or dinner? Dinner, you're, you're posher than I am, aren't you? So what, would you, what do you offer your dinner? Uh, yeah, definitely dinner. Um, <laughs> what would I have? My favourite is shepherd's pie. Oh, potato based. Yeah, yeah, very good. That's, uh, that's my favourite. I don't, I don't do have you... it much these days, but that's, that's definitely my, my go-to. Yeah, do you ever have meals without potatoes? <laughs> I do, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. No, good stuff, good stuff. Um, what's the worst advice you've been given? Uh, not sure. I, I, I don't think I've, I, I can't recall any really catastrophically bad advice that I've got. Yeah, I think most advice that I've got has been pretty good. To be honest, yeah. I'd struggle to answer that one. I think. Yeah, no, that's fine. And and if you had to give somebody a, a piece of advice that was that wanted to to start their own business. Um, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, don't rush into it. Um, you know, um, don't quit the day job straight away and plow straight into it. Uh, yeah. You know, keep the day job for a bit until you're sure that it's working. If you can, if that's possible, I know that's not possible in all circumstances, but, um, yeah, take it, take it nice and steady. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. No, I love, I love that. And, and I've, I've really loved the opportunity to, to chat with you today as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear about you, your story, what you're on with and your love of potato. And in fact, your love of all P words. Um, so, <laughs> so, so yeah, no, thank you very much for that. Good luck with everything that you've got going on, Tom. So just, just again, so LinkedIn is the place to, uh, to find out about you and it's Tom Locke, yeah. um, yeah. is, is the place where people can find you. Okay. 
L-O-C-K. Yeah, no, thank you very much again for your time, Tom. Have an amazing rest of your day. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Great. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.